0: All right, team. Welcome to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton. And today is an interesting conversation. You know, over the years, I've talked to a number of people about uh, sex. I've had sex therapists on the show. I've talked about a woman's sexual desire and and arousal and uh, a woman's sexual body. And today we're going to talk about a man's sexual body and uh, sexual arousal. And, you know, I think it's quite often that the stereotype of the stigma that our arousal, our sexual desires as men are quite simple. And I think that for myself, for a number of years, I viewed my sexual arousal, my sexual energy, my sexual body as something that I either needed to do something about or something that I needed to shut down depending on what was going on. You know, it was like there was times for me to be Uh, That was okay for me to be turned on. And other times it was like, I got to shut this down. And when I did feel that sexual energy in my body, sometimes it was like overwhelming, you know, and I think that a lot of men experience this where uh, it's like, I got to go do something with this sexual energy. I feel pent up. I need a release. And so in this episode with my guest today, Mr. Destin Garrick, we go into the male sexual body we go into male sexual energy and arousal what that looks like feels like some of the challenges that we as men face we talk about sexual performance anxiety erectile dysfunction premature ejaculation not being able to ejaculate we we kind of talk about a whole bunch of different things so That is all to say, this is probably not something you want to listen to in the car with your kids. (laughs) Just as a warning, uh, you know, it really is about your relationship as a man to your sexual arousal, to your sexual energy, to your sexual desire. So let me tell you a little bit about Destin. He is a recognized voice in masculinity, sexuality, and personal empowerment. He is the founder and CEO of the Evolved Masculine. Uh, which is a coaching and training company for men that often specializes in the realm of sex and sexuality. And he wrote a book called The Evolved Masculine, Be the Man the World Needs and the One She Craves. So he teaches a lot about eroticism. He teaches a lot about your relationship to your own sexual body, power, understanding women, understanding women's sexual arousal, etc. So we're going to get into a number of these topics I'm sure that there is a 2.0 to have happen in this conversation, but I hope that you enjoy this one. Um, It might be good for you to tune in with your partner. You know, it might be good to have some conversations around this if there's things that come up that feel relevant for you. Otherwise, enjoy this conversation without any further delay or I I bring you Mr. Dustin Garrick. All right, Dustin, welcome to the Man Talk Show. How are you doing today? I'm really good. I'm really happy to be here. Likewise man likewise it's good to good to have you on the show finally, I appreciate your your patience I was kind of joking around before we jumped on the jumped on the recording here. There's just like madness and chaos trying to get this scheduled not at all from your side, totally from my end um but it's uh it's an honor to have you here, and I'm excited to dive in.
1: Yeah, like I say, you've been uh, bouncing around my orbit for at least a few years and Mm. I have only heard really positive things and whenever I do kind of like poke in, see like posts of yours, things of yours, even things in your group, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. And I gotta say, like, unfortunately, in this world of men teaching and talking to other men about being a man in this modern world, that doesn't happen that often, you know. Mm. There, there's far more out there that I'm like, you know, don't quite feel in alignment with than those who I'm like, who I just end up feeling like full yes behind. And I feel a good full yes behind what I've seen of what you do. So, thank you for your work.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. There are definitely many veins out there, and yes, and uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an interesting space. You know, it's an interesting space. Now I follow. I follow a lot of people to kind of get a different flavor and uh, and you know see what guys are being taught or or told and and it's it's interesting you know because I think there are different tacts you know and one of the reasons different avenues that a lot of guys take and I think one of the cool things about what you talk about and what we're going to talk about today is you know you're taking a very masculine approach but using the vehicle of sex you know using the vehicle of intimacy. Um, in, in many ways, to talk to men about masculinity, which is something that we're all connected to. So, with, let's just let's just get into let's just get into it. By let's yeah, let's just go. So let's just start with the question of tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today.
1: Yeah. So I end up telling the story a lot now. It's just funny because it took me a long time to speak to this publicly, but um. Now it, it's become kind of my, my go-to. Um, what's really my defining moment was in high school, my my girlfriend was raped on her 15th birthday just before we met. I was 16. I was the first person she told. I was not equipped to handle it. Mm. Uh, we ended up being together for the next three years. Uh, the impact of this rape was ever-present, uh, emotionally, it, it would just like these various triggers and things that would come up. And f- physically, I can't tell you how many times it's like 2 a.m. And I'm sitting on the bathroom tile floor holding her hand while she's gripping it, screaming in pain from constant urinary tract infections. Mm-hmm. And and so at some point, I think I was somewhere around 18-ish, I just remember standing on top of a rooftop in New York City, like feeling like pain and anguish around just an the effect of this, it's just always there. And I made some declaration to the moon and I, the God, uh, God, the universe, myself, most of all, that I was going to do everything I could with my life to create a world where things like this didn't happen anymore. And that got the ball rolling. <laughs> that was twenty oh, more than 25 years ago now. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's been a very, very windy curve. Um, but there was this other thing that happened in that moment is that it also started this whole process where I began to form a ever-increasing distrust of other men, and especially men's sexuality as being dangerous. And so being on the cusp of manhood myself, what happens? Well, I was disconnecting from these parts of myself. I was, retreat- I, I was retreating more into my more feminine aspects because it just seemed safer, at least then I couldn't become that same kind of monster, do that same kind of harm. And over the next 10 years, I I was moving further and further in this direction until finally somewhere around 27, 28 years old, I started to get really clear that something is out of whack. My life was not working and I didn't quite understand why both uh, I didn't, I wasn't really doing anything with my life and my relationship was a mess and I felt that there was some sort of connection between the two of them. And I kind of got the sign a signal that my relationships to both my masculinity and how I related to other men was actually a core part of was causing all this. And so I made 2007 fifteen years now <laughs> uh, to be the year that I actively explored my masculinity and what it means to me to be a man in this world. And I say it to me because I was very clear that like. Okay, I don't just want to go back to the very thing that I was shunning. Like there was a reason why I was shunning it. You know, today we speak about like toxic masculinity, patriarchal culture, blah blah blah. These are very things that I was reacting against, but in that reaction, I was just defining myself in a different way by what I'm not, mm-hmm. and now it's like okay so what is this thing and as i began to actively try to find positive male role models models of masculinity that i could identify with and particularly given my uh, different aspects of my pathos really seeking out role models of healthy masculine sexuality and i was largely coming up empty-handed uh, also again 2006 2007 Uh, Facebook was invented in 06, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The world was different at that time.
0: (laughs) Very, very
1: different. It was largely an offline world. And Mm -hmm. so I made a decision at one point, like if I'm having this hard of a time finding the role model that I'm looking for, then I'm going to challenge myself to become the role model that I'm looking for. Hmm. And so I I like to say this in interviews, uh, all those who are watching and listening to, Connor, I think you've already done this, but uh, Mm. is that, you know, who would you be, the listener, viewer, if you were to become that role model that you so needed and longed for in your younger years? Because the world today is craving more healthy, positive male role models.
0: Yeah, well said. Well said on on many fronts. I mean, there's a few sort of strings that I just want to tug out there and see where this Sort of takes us, you know, one, I think just in the final statement, I think in many ways, culture, society, individuals, women, other men, you know, young young boys, I think there's a real deep yearning and craving for more grounded, mature masculinity. And that has been in short supply in some ways. You know, there's been some hyper-masculine, there's been people disconnected from their masculine, there's, you know... I very much resonate with some of the stuff that you were saying because I think in in my younger years, I definitely moved away from what I thought was very masculine and especially within my own sexuality. You know, I was sort of like a wolf in sheep's clothing, which I think a lot of guys end up embodying. It's uh, not my not my proudest thing to say now, but, you know, I I certainly pretended to sort of be this nice guy, but I always usually had ulterior motives, you know. And and I think that that's a common thing that we as men disconnect and start to separate from a really grounded, healthy version of masculinity because we just don't see it. And so there is no real context for what would it look like for me to be unapologetically masculine without that being really threatening to other people, right? Or without that being a problem to society or to certain groups of people. And that, that question for me certainly has always been something that I've grappled with. So I always want to go all the way back to the beginning because I think one of the things that stands out to me is that I think it's very common for a lot of men to, to be with, to date, uh, to be friends with, to marry women who have had some form of sexual trauma Yep. And it is often a quagmire that a lot of men aren't really too sure how to deal with, you know, not that it's a problem that that's happened, but I think it's a quagmire in the sense that we as men don't often know what to do. And and I I find a lot of men wanting to sort of fix, solve, etc. And I would just love for you to speak to what you learned from that experience and You know How you would guide men, the guys that are listening to this, to sort of be with, support the women in their lives who have gone through that? Because I think that is a huge question that I see a lot of men grappling with. Like, how do I support the women in my life who have gone through these experiences?
1: Well, first of all, I really appreciate the question. Uh, I don't get asked it very often, and I agree that it is... Underserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, as many men who are watching or listening to this who are dealing with a situation like this or are involved with somebody who they know I- I- is carrying sexual trauma, there are many more men who just don't know, who just don't realize that their partner is carrying trauma, Who, who I- whose partner just never shared it with them. Possibly because they buried it within themselves or quite possibly because they don't feel an- enough of a-, a safety to share this you know, fear of being judged, fear of being misunderstood, fear of it negatively impacted or just not wanting to be a burden. Mm. And yet, the uh, it, instead, it's the reactions are coming from this wound that you, as the partner, may not even understand where they're coming from. So, anything and everything that you can do to create enough safe space, but which starts with like a, a feeling of non-judgment, unconditional support and love, helping her feel loved and accepted in areas that she maybe has never felt before all these things help create that space where she's more likely to open up and share this with you Hmm. okay that was one now to actually answer your question you know you touched it obliquely when you you said how a lot of men just want to like go in there and fix it i mean i definitely felt that or actually initially with this high school sweetheart girl my my instincts were rage I wanted to hunt this boy down and hammer nails to his testicles. That was literally the visual that I was getting at the time. Uh, (laughs) uh, Strong enough that 25 years later, I remember. Uh, So, but it became, it was very clear that that is not what she wanted. So one piece is don't make it about you. You know, she doesn't need for you to make it about you. She needs in that moment to really feel heard. feel like her experience, her emotions around it are valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, she needs to be believed first and foremost anything that you can do to create safety for her to be able to share elements that maybe she's never spoken to anybody about before this space just, ha- just creating a space where she can actually fully be with the experience express any of her feelings and emotions around it, maybe just let out a big freaking cry and ra- rage around it without you Taking it personally, shutting mm. it down, trying to bolt and get out of there, uh, getting angry with her or overly sad with her, but really just like, you know, these, these are typical uh, David Data-esque skills. Mm. Just like being, that, being able to be that spacious anchor for her to express anything and everything that maybe she's just never had space to express before. Mm -hmm. And that can be the greatest fixing that you could do is just allowing her to feel. Because there's a good chance there's a lot of feelings.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I don't I I was just going to say, like, I don't I definitely want I don't want to spend too, too much time on this. But I feel like it's a a very, very important conversation (laughs) um, because we have a lot of ground to cover. But, you know, I think one of the things that I found for myself, having gone through that as well is is to is to not play the role of the savior. You know, it's not your responsibility as her partner to try and be the savior and that's that's the hard part. You know, I think one of the things that I I would credit myself for doing after having a conversation with my mentor in a previous relationship was just encouraging her to get outside support, right to have counsel, to have good women in her life, to you know, have a good coach or therapist and and for a lot of that work to happen outside of the dynamic, and then the work inside of the dynamic was to be: how do I continue to interact with you in a way where I'm not I'm not playing the savior, right? I'm not coming to get you because I find that a lot of men who have grown up with uh, neglectful mothers or mothers that have abandoned them or weren't close to them get caught in this trap of like, oh, I want to save you, you know, I want to help you, and if I do. Maybe it'll heal this part of me. And so guys so get I, caught in that cycle.
1: A hundred percent. I, I caught, got caught in that cycle again and again and again with with every relationship prior to my wife. And mm. this time, yeah, I, I've, I'd have to put on paper to try to figure out how many times, but far too many times. And this time when her trauma arose... Which, this is something that can happen. When you are that man who who she finally feels a sense of safety with, all the stuff may start to come out of her because she finally has a space to express it. And that can be very uncomfortable, in all honesty. Mm. I recognized it, and I told myself, look, like, I'm not going to do the same mistake I've done every single time. Every single time I've tried to play sexual healer for, for my partner. And it's been really beautiful at the start, but it's always turned sour. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, a, a fucked up power dynamic ends up getting inserted into the relationship that then she ends up feeling like she needs to break out of, ultimately. So, you know, if they talk about the drama triangle, of me coming in as savior, it's not too long before i end up um being seen as a persecutor and then ultimately (laughs) being the victim to her her being that uh i'm sorry perpetrator uh Mm -hmm. towards myself so here like i I found her i found her help and support i I found colleagues and pointed her in their their direction and she picked somebody who really worked for her and she got great support and then i supported her through that process Mm -hmm. but her primary healing was outside yeah. And then it was for me to just to, to witness her changes, to support the changes, and to not hold her to a previous versions of herself as she was rapidly changing.
0: Yeah, well said. Well said. I, I'm sure that we could go in on this deeper and, and to more depth, but I feel like that's probably a good Next. place to 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 <laughs> shift gears. We're, we're going to take a, a little bit of a right turn. You know, one of the main things that I want to talk with you about on the show was... Uh, you know, a man's relationship to his own sexual body and desires. Um, but I just kind of wanted to start with what What are some of the main obstacles that you see couples facing in the bedroom these days, you know, as the dating landscape, the sexual landscape, the marriage landscape has all sort of changed over the years. Uh, I'm curious. I'm curious about what you've what you're seeing couples struggling with in, in, in the bedroom. What's what's really uh, getting in the way, I guess you could say.
1: Uh you have a, a very interesting way that you take the you know that you express these questions I I appreciate it, it gets me thinking about it in different ways um so a lot of the men who end up coming my way because of certain ways in which I position my work um it's really helped me see just how widespread the challenges men face around either um ejaculation and or erection porn use misuse abuse compulsion Addiction, whatever language you want to put around it, it mm-hmm. has definitely become a major issue of our time, mm-hmm. and that can lead to either or both of those issues that I described as well. Either men have trained themselves to uh, to be very efficient with their arousal, so like you know something triggers it, they they feel horny, just pop up, open a window, whip it out. <laughs> done okay now i can move on with my day and then they're wondering why they can't last very long when they're uh, with a partner meanwhile they've trained their nervous system to come quickly or can that occur the opposite direction they've so overstimulated their system and trained the the neural pathways of uh, sexual arousal cycle to to fire off in such a narrow way. Like this is the thing that I do in order to get aroused, to get really aroused and to come. And now suddenly I'm with a woman a lover of whatever sort. And that's not what's happening here. Just either not getting or not maintaining an erection or just not able to come at all. Mm -hmm. So it can, it can happen in either direction, but I really view these two things as having the same root, which is a certain like disconnect from the body disconnect from your authentic sexuality particularly like the the rapid ejaculation piece which i handle a lot in my work the myth the story that we're told in our society is completely wrong we're told if you're coming too soon or faster than you want bro yo you're just too sensitive that's Mm. the problem man you're just too sensitive it's the exact opposite you're not sensitive enough there are things that are happening in your body that you are completely unaware of. Mm-hmm. And so, by becoming, by attuning yourself to these subtleties of what's happening in your body, you can start to make these little changes that will allow you to have more of the outcome that you're desiring. So, that, that, that's one major piece. And, you know, the, the porn thing uh, we can add to the ways in which that can just affect men's fantasy life and their difficulty with dealing with a, an actual flesh and blood human female and all of her humanity. <laughs> uh, which she has all the ways in which she, however gorgeous or or not she may be, she has her her imperfections, she has her insecurities, and it it's it can be hard to be with those when you're when you've spent years focused on finding your ideal Mm-mm. and having infinite supply. That you can just learn and even get very efficient at just constantly like finding those who fit into your ever more narrow idea. Mm -hmm. And then well, what about when you're actually meeting women actually who are not necessarily fitting into it exactly? You can your mind can end up being trained into how she's not X, Y or Z. Yeah, which I think a lot of guys both of you.
0: Yeah, which I think a lot of guys f- fall into, but it, it's it's interesting because porn is such a conditioner. You know, it's entertainment, right? It's not, it's not. It's it's, it's an embellished version of reality. It's fabricated in, in most in most senses. But I think it's interesting because it gives men ultimate choice without any of the risk. Right? It's like that's. I think I did like a little piece on OnlyFans on why OnlyFans is so popular. And the reality is, is that you kind of get to pick and choose your sort of quote unquote ideal woman, maybe just aesthetically or or you know, personality-wise, what you think that you want personality-wise, but there's no real risk involved, right? It's like you're paying for her attention, you're paying for that interaction, or that interaction is coming through a porn site and it's free. And so there's no real uh, there's no real confrontation or tension that's actually happening with you and another person in person. So it's 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 quite interesting. I guess that leads me to the question of did you want to dive in there?
1: I just want to say that the risk really is more it's a delayed risk, you know, but the risk is that you end up not building the skills of learning how to experience real intimacy, real connection, real passion. You know, when we're constantly in our head in either fantasy or judgment, we're not in this moment with this person and being present, being in your body, being in this moment is the only place re- true intimacy and deep passion exists. Mm-hmm. What's life without those things? Yeah.
0: It's interesting as you're talking, I, you know, I've done a lot of work with Dr. Robert Glover and worked with a lot of like sort of quote unquote nice guys. And the interesting thing that I've always found is that when you're talking to nice guys about sex and you really start to get down to what do you want with your partner? You know, what do you want to experience? What do you want to explore with your partner? How do you want to feel? There's generally a big question mark there, you know, of like, I actually don't know. You know, I I don't really know what I want. I'm not really too sure. Or I have an idea, but I'm terrified Really afraid to make that manifest in in reality. So I'm curious to get your perspective about what are some of the use the word myth before. What are some of the myths that maybe socially um, or or even as men that we hold about male sexuality? Like, what are some of the things that we that we've adopted that maybe are not so uh, helpful for us in the bedroom.
1: Uh, well, first of all, I, I, well, simply put, I want to say just about everything, uh, <laughs> um, but we have this notion that women's sexuality is infinitely complex and men's sexuality is simple. You know, you have the, you may have seen a little cartoon of like, you know, women's sexuality and you have this control deck with like a thousand different buttons and sliders <laughs> and whatever. And men's, it was just like on off and uh, like It's not that there's no truth in that, but it's definitely not capital T truth. There Mm. is a simplicity to our sexuality that we can tap into, but there's so much more complexity in there that we have the capacity to tap into. And I think that that does us a disservice, both in there's these incredible pleasures that are available to us that most men don't even realize are possible like full body orgasms non-ejaculatory energetic orgasms male multiple orgasms things that i like to well this is the fun marketable parts of what i teach Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but also we really do have a an emotional component to our sexuality as much as our society likes to pretend that we don't. And as much as a lot of men can end up feeling disconnected from our emotions or have a hard time really feeling our emotions, but instead we have all this, um, all these pressures that we can live with. So something that's, that comes in into my world to some frequency is, you know, just the pressures to perform and this notion as men that like, we're supposed to always want it and always be ready. Mm-hmm. And so, if there's any possibility of sex dangled in front of you in whatever way, you better pounce on that shit and be rock hard in a rocker world. And that that is the expectation. And it doesn't... Like, where are you as... Where's your humanity in there? Like, where mm-hmm. like you have an emotional life. One of my uh, earliest mentors, Joseph Kramer, uh, uses the phrase of the wisdom of the cock. Maybe... The reason why you didn't get an erection in this situation, even though you have this hot girl in this bed with you, et cetera, isn't because there's something wrong with your manhood, but because your dick is trying to communicate something to you.
0: <laughs> there's the there's the there's the uh, the uh, the title for the episode, Your Dick is trying to communicate something to you. That's good. So 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 keep going keep going down that rabbit because I think that is a hundred percent accurate I found for myself in my life and for many of the men that I've worked with. So what is that? What does that mean? What does that entail? What does that look like real time? Because I think you gave a good example there, but I'd love I'll, to expand I'll on it. I'll give
1: that. a personal example then. Like, you know, I had several highly promiscuous years, we'll just say. And um and there was a period during it that was great. It, it was life affirming for both myself and my lovers. Hmm. There were, the tail end of it wasn't. I was really Yearning, longing for something else, something more, something deeper. Ultimately, family. Like that yearning was ever increasing. But I had some deep habit patterns, which you know, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, might be a little bit hard to relate to. But like my habit patterns were, I go, at, I go home with somebody, mm. and I, I started running into these experiences not all the time, but the like, where I bring something home, and it was just like, my cock was not coming along for the ride, and it was really just that. I wasn't there anymore. I didn't actually want to have sex with this person. I just kind of had built a habit of doing so. Hmm. And so, I, I first, my first instinct was like, "What's going on?" You know, what this must be probably ten years ago. Um, what's going on? What's wrong? Blah blah blah. You know, all these things. Or even like, should I take like Viagra or something like that? You know, one of these types of things. Is that what's going on? Like, and it's like, or maybe there's. Maybe my emotions that I'm kind of trying to run away from are stepping in here and saying, is this really what you want? Hmm. Is this really, is there really fulfillment for you here right now? And so, again, like, you know, there there can be these external pressures um, that can be internalized then as well that, you, you know, you're supposed to, so to speak. And particularly if you have that capacity to have sex with a woman or have sex with many women or what have you, then like, it's sort of like it's your duty as a man. This is the ultimate fantasy, et cetera. And it's just like, well, what what parts of you are not being fulfilled? Mm. And so maybe maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're married. Maybe some, something's going on there. Maybe, maybe there's something going on between you and your partner that you have been successfully avoiding addressing. And this is your body's way of saying, yeah, you got to fucking address this.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what you're saying is that things like performance anxiety, premature ejaculation, you know, not being able to 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 get or stay hard, can sometimes be more of an emotional component. Is oh, sort yeah. of pointing pointing towards the emotional pressure of what might be happening within that man's life or within his relationship, rather than there's something physically wrong with me. Cause I think that's where a lot of guys go, right? It's like, there must be something wrong with me. Physically. I think that the physical,
1: I think the, the physical uh, medical component or whatever is a small percentage that yeah. uh, doctors and pharmaceutical company are addressing way more people than is really, than is really in their wheelhouse. Mm. Um, there are those who, yes, That is exactly what you should be doing. That really is your best route. I'm sure that that's the case. I would say that the majority, though, there's some sort of emotional, psychological, energetic component going on here. The elements of not feeling like you are enough. um, Something I see a lot as well is a, a, a man has one negative experience. Again, not getting an erection or coming sooner than he wanted to or otherwise just feeling like he disappointed her, disappointed himself. And then he just gets stuck in a loop Mm -hmm. where the next time he goes to be sexual, he he just starts tripping out in his head around what if it happens again? And then that tripping out causes it to happen again. And now he has two times the proof. And so it just keeps heading downward and downward and sometimes, literally sometimes for decades, but this has been an incredible thing with my work as well is that, like, I mean, I've worked with men as young as, like, 20 and as old as, like, 73, 70-something. 70 and, and like, even, even men in the 70-whatever-year-old guy who literally has never known anything but this for 50-plus mm. years, when we started to really, like, help him bring his awareness into these subtleties of what's going on in his body, make these, address what's going on emotionally, make these mindset shifts. he was able able to create change and start to experience, uh, have a different experience of his sexuality than he'd ever known before. So it it doesn't really matter where you are, how old you are, your starting place. What really matters is like, are you really ready to take this area of your life on and and really commit to it? Particularly if you're in a a real pain point around this, and particularly if you've been in a pain point around this for a while, it does take a real commitment. However... Mm. If you make that commitment, it pays dividends for the rest of your life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because I kind of wanted to to step into the question of you know, when a man is ready for that, right? So say somebody's listening to this, what do some of those shifts look like? You know, what does the mindset shift look like? What are some of the subtleties that that we as men can be paying attention to? to help us step more firmly into our sexual power, into our sexual desires, our arousal? What are some of those things that we can be aware of?
1: Well, um, the first thing that came up is something a a couple of the guys brought in my current round of sexual self-mastery, one of my main trainings, brought up yesterday, uh, which is around um, your internal dialogue. Uh, uh, A lot of people will will focus on men right now a lot a lot of men really struggle with a, an internal voice that's constantly berating the self That's constantly like pointing out what's wrong That's mm-hmm. constantly letting you know how you're not enough how you will disappoint how you can't do x y or z and again whether we're talking about because you've had a, a bad experience once that now you've convinced yourself is just how what's going to happen again, again how you're just going to disappoint her how you you're not enough of a man, et cetera. You have something wrong with your dick. You know all, all these different places we can go. Like, and chances are, if that's the case for you, it exists beyond the bedroom. Yeah, you know, that that voice is interfering with your uh, your growth through in all areas of your life. But I mean, it, it can be a little bit of a funky thing because sometimes highly successful men also have their own version of this voice, and they've learned to, uh, for better or worse, they've learned to use this voice as a driver. To always just do more and then die of a heart attack. Yeah, I call it
0: I call it dark motivation. Right? We have yeah. like a shame based motivators that then we drive ourselves with. But then in certain areas of our life, you know, within intimacy, our relationships, that doesn't go so well. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not as motivating as we think within these other areas. Yeah,
1: and even if, if it works for a while, it usually has a, a ceiling is usually mm-hmm. some point where it's not working for you anymore and that's usually when i end up seeing you. Uh, <laughs> so um so yes yeah, so first and foremost such so to recognize like where how do you talk to yourself in your own mind and and is there familiarity to that voice Is it um does it sound like your father for example does it sound like some uh, your mother or some other person in an early child. It, it does sound like an amalgamation of ex-girlfriends. Is it like, like, mm. um, you know, there There's these ways in which we can often internalize at a young age these these voices of those around us and then uh, carry it with us for the rest of our lives unless we actively do something about it. So intentionally cultivating an internal dialogue that's that's kind, compassionate, empathetic towards yourself, is your biggest champion versus your biggest critic. And I say cultivate because it, it's not, Oh yeah, it's a great idea. Let me do that now instead. I know it, it, it's seldom that easy, simple, not necessarily that easy. It, it will often take like, okay, I'm choosing to do this now. Like I'm, I'm, I, I'm building this muscle, you know, like uh step by step. Oh, wait, there's that negative voice again. Hold on. Like, like how could I say this to myself with more compassion? how can I cheer myself on more? Like, what would I be saying to myself instead? So, mm. uh, and that's an ongoing thing uh, that will take that consistent remembering and conscientiousness until it becomes habit. But the other one took a while to build mm. up. The negative voice took a while to really build up. It may take time and consistency to, to have this voice replace it.
0: And what about the physical component of yep. it? You know, cause I think of, I think <laughs> a big, yeah, a big piece of this is like the embodiment of, some of these you, you know it's getting out of the head getting out of these ruminating thoughts so we can we can shift the thought process and the thought patterns but then i think being able to get into the body connect with sensation can you just speak to that a little bit
1: yeah 100 percent. so um what i refer to is the, the two easy tools um i actually have a whole thing around this um maybe i can find a way to, to give to your people with the yeah. link i make made for you i uh, call two easy tools um uh, that you can implement to start lasting longer tonight. Uh, I, I tend to avoid these like, you know, one, two, three step things. Cause I, I I'm a big fan of cultivation, like mm-hmm. really committing yourself to a path over time. And that's where you really see the, the real growth. But um, when we get aroused as men, there's a tendency for a lot of men to, as they get more and more aroused, their breathing starts to become more shallow and more rapid and more in the chest. And at the same time, tension starts to build up in the body particularly in your abs your pelvic floor muscles your inner thighs and your buttocks so that's great if you want to ejaculate because that's what it's going to do it's going to drive you towards ejaculation you could think of it as like if um if you've got the sexual energy being built up from your cock being stimulated when you're doing this You're concentrating it. You're tightening it down into a smaller and smaller area in your pelvis until it's like it's got energy needs to move. You're not giving it any ability to move anywhere else. So it's going to move the one way it knows how. Mm. Instead, very simply, we're learning how instead of to tense in the face of pleasure, learning to relax in the face of pleasure. So the two easy tools are um, breath and relaxing this musculature. So. Particularly working with that exhale to focus in on those places that you're feeling tension in your body and intentionally let go. You can even use a phrase like "relax," "release," "let go" in your mind. You don't have to say them out loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I,
1: I, which is a great point as well. Yeah. Start off on your own. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, start to build your relationship to these tools and the many others that I've got to share through a self pleasure practice. So that your body just comes to know it. So then when you're in the situation with your lover, like you're not like, wait, what am I supposed to do again?
0: It's interesting because you use the words uh, pleasure practice. And it's funny because I think for most guys, you know, I think about myself. 10 years ago living in alberta canada you know working construction and stuff like that i would have heard that and be like what are you talking I'm like what the hell are you talking about with a pleasure practice you know it's like i'm I, I jerk off to get off like that's that's it that's what it's it serves that purpose it's outcome driven mm-hmm. and for it to be anything else just doesn't make any sense you know and there is so much merit in shifting it away from that i remember working with uh, one gentleman talking about very similar things, right? Can you breathe, relax when you're masturbating? And I said, so, you know, next time that you masturbate, do it without porn. And I proceeded to ask him, when was the last time that you watched, uh, when was the last time you you masturbate without pornography? And he's like, I don't know. I actually don't think that I know. And so I think what happens for a lot of guys is that they're disconnected, especially when they're watching pornography and masturbating, is that they're disconnected from the sensation in the body. So love, love what you're saying. Love what you're saying. Continue. All that the was-
1: attention, all the attention is here. We train ourselves so that yeah, yeah. So that our arousal is outsourced. And mm-hmm. then you know the hand is generally doing well. Usually, most often, I mean, the simple piston type of a method: up, down, up, down, up, down. While we're and the hands like moving around the trackpad or the mouse to find find the right thing until okay, we're we're done. So again like i i want to make clear because i've brought in porn quite a bit during this call i don't think that porn in theory is inherently harmful um i've 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 certainly enjoyed it in my life however i I think of it in the ways same way as i do most psychoactive drugs like there's this there's the thing and then there's the the relationship to the thing Mm -hmm. and if And if we got honest with ourselves, most of us don't have the healthiest relationship to porn. And I think that what you just described uh, is it exactly that for a lot of us men, and I've certainly been in this category myself, um, porn equals masturbation, masturbation equals porn. And it's not even like, oh, it's hard to think of it without it. You may even find that if you try to masturbate without porn, that you feel like you can't like you can't like find that arousal anymore because you've trained your body this is how you get aroused. Mm-hmm. Is that really healthy and we th- if we talk about ma- uh, masculinity and uh a, a core part of masculine drive it is that drive for freedom? Is that freedom? Is that freedom to be uh, enslaved essentially to needing this this thing out here to experience arousal in here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know when if you remember back to your adolescence that probably wasn't the case you know when you you instead you your bought it was just like a discovery of this mm-hmm. and then we kind of train it out of ourselves and so this this practice creating a self pleasure practice i've i i learned it as a practice of erotic self exploration um meaning exploring your own eroticism your own sexuality if you think of it like Any other practice, uh, you know, going to the gym or band practice or, you know, whatever your meditation, yoga practice, you know, whatever it is that you're into, you're, you're actively dedicating specific time to explore and to get better at this particular area of your life. Here, it's like getting to know this, this body, this container, your own potential for pleasure. What else is available to you beyond you know, these habit patterns that you've probably built in a long friggin' time ago. And the mm-hmm. truth is our sexuality can be endlessly explored. So again, it's not about any particular thing you're doing being bad or wrong. It's more like it's limited. It's mm-hmm. really limited. There's so much more possible and why not explore it? Why not know it better? And the truth is the more, you know, your body, the more, you know, your own sexuality, the better of a lover you're going to be.
0: I agree. I agree. It's, a- it's interesting as you were talking there, there was this sort of like a reminder that we all have our own relationships with, with porn, you know, and some guys are able to watch it once in a while, you know, they watch it once every other month and it's no big deal and it's not really anything. And then other guys, it's like, you know, it's a slippery slope and they, and they need it and they become dependent on it. It's, because it's They become dependent on it to regulate their nervous system or help them go to sleep or, feel less stressed out after work or to de-stress after a fight with their partner. And so it really is, I love that sentiment of it, but it being about your relationship to it and coming back to your relationship with your own sexual arousal as the foundation, right? There's sovereignty in that, there's leadership in that. So what are what are some of the other ways, you know, if guys are listening to this and just this notion of like, okay, you're your sexual body your your cock is trying to speak to you it it's trying to you know it's trying to guide you in a certain direction what does in your opinion sexual freedom look like i know that's going to be very different for every man to some degree but from what you've seen what does that sexual freedom look like for us and and how do we start to get towards that
1: yeah, great. So I use the phrase sexual self mastery, and I I use that phrase intentionally with the word self in there. That it starts mm. in here. As you master your own sexuality, your own sexual energy, your own relationship to it, that is going to radically change and transform how you are uh, with your sexuality with other people. Attune your this instrument, and then this instrument is attuned to your lover. So as you feel into subtleties within yourself that you weren't aware of, it's a lot easier to feel into the subtleties of her body. And let me tell you, women really like it when you're attuned to the subtleties of her body. So... What is sexual freedom or sexual self-mastery? I I think of it as instead of your sexuality being either something that runs the show, you know, we got memes in our culture like men have two heads and only enough blood to flow into one at a time, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that, like Mm -hmm. when uh, men are driven by their cocks, you know, these are the the stories that we're fed and uh, can be true. I've, I've I've experienced it. Yeah, um, I've felt that. I've,
0: I've definitely felt that way in my in my life before. I was like, eh, yeah, I've been there.
1: But you know, it's not all that's possible for us. And again, yes. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're not taught properly. You know, we're not. We have this incredible sexual energy that comes online, and then just basically told, "Good luck. Here is some porn." In fact, not just some porn. Here is limitless porn at your fingertips, twenty four seven. Good luck. <laughs> that's, that's that's based. That's essentially what we do for our adolescent boys. So we can have it run the show, or, and it can vacillate between the two, or it could be like, this is not okay. I have to shut this down. This is not appropriate. I hear, da da da. Like, how many, um, how many times have you perhaps uh, started to feel some sense of attraction or arousal while out of about and be like, <gasps> and it's like clamped it down? Neither of those is sexual freedom. Freedom. Sexual self-mastery to me is your is building your ability to be with your sexual energy, be with your turn-on. So let's say, again, you're, I don't know, the barista uh, uh, <laughs> particularly does it for you, and you, you feel this, like, in your body, um, instead of feeling like, okay, I have to do something with this, I have to hit on her, I have to get her number, I have to kiss her, out, whatever, or feeling like, let me... Like, you know, this is not appropriate. I have to shut this down. Can you just feel that turn on in your body? Can you appreciate that turn on in your body? Can you appreciate her for helping, like, activate this, this turn on in your body? One of the things that women too often end up experiencing with men is that she ends up feeling like you have made her responsible for your turn on. That does not work. These are the things that women both feel put off, but also too often defensive or afraid. Mm-hmm. um that instead le- learning to be able to hold your sexual energy is part of learning to be able to hold your energy period in life our sexual energy is such powerful energy that by learning to contain that energy channel that energy turn up or turn down that energy we're able to do that in any other area of our lives as well so the four primary tools i teach around this is breath sound movement and visualization And again, you can use these tools to work with, cycle, channel, whatever um, energy of any sort. But, you know, we put in particular emphasis here around your sexual energy. So to be able to feel this, like, in your body and to just, you know, maybe get allowed to bring a smile to your face, but just, like, be with it and feel it. If it's starting to be too much or what have you, then just use your breath. Like if you so I do with my hands there, this <clears throat> is using both the movement as well as the visualization as I move my hands like this, it helps me visualize it helps me see in my mind's eye, and with that helps me feel this energy just kind of flowing down my body and kind of rooting down into the earth below me just like and it, it, I really like the phrase "turn on" because it does feel like that, you know when we're getting when our sexual arousal turns on it can feel like this increase of electricity through our bodies a sudden feeling of greater aliveness mm. that's a wonderful thing mm-hmm. enjoy that feel <laughs> that like you feel a tingling in your in your groin like feel the tingle mm. and feel warmth or pressure like feel it F- see it like you can use your, your breath to kind of pull that that increased feeling up through your body up your spine up like out into your limbs Hey, let let yourself feel it. Let yourself enjoy it. Don't have to do anything with it. Don't need to shut it down. Learn to be with it. Mm. The more you learn to be with the intensity of that energy, the more you'll be able to be with the intensity of her energy, you know, her wild emotions. And the more that you can be with the intensity of your sexual, your and her sexual energy like when naked in bed, you know, instead of being uh, one thing that can happen Uh, quite often with men is uh, he's fine, you know, as far as his ejaculatory control until she starts to starts to get close. As soon as she gets really hot and heavy, it tips you over and you end up coming just before she does. And then she's, you know, you're both end up feeling let down. And, And even if that's not like your frequent experience, if you've ever had that experience, you know, it's like the, as her sexual energy starts to pour out at a higher degree, your nervous system doesn't know how to be with it. It doesn't know how to handle it. And so it comes out the one way that you know how. So again, the more that you you learn how to be with holding larger amounts of energy, as well as be able to move larger amounts of energy, the more you're able to be in control and choice over your ejaculation, your erections, and just your ability to enjoy the experience without fear or worry.
0: Yeah, so so good. I mean, it's it's interesting because it's, I think, one of the biggest things that stands out to me about our conversation and and just conversations that I've I've had before, but especially in this one, is is how much conditioning can play a role. In our relationship to our sexual arousal, and that we may have been—and this is what I, this is the case that I found for most men—is that they have unintentionally and unconsciously conditioned their nervous system, their sexual arousal to something that they aren't even aware of. You know, to come fast to. Uh, you know, only get an erection under certain conditions. Or like you said, they've been conditioned to feel sexual arousal and then have to do something with it or shut it down. And that was that was a big part of, of my journey. It was like, I always felt like that when my sexual energy came up, when my arousal came up, it was like, overwhelming. You know, if I was out in public and, and we're at a bar and found, you know, found a woman attractive, it's just like, all of a sudden it was just like this big jet engine got ignited. I was like, okay, I got to go do something with this. And you know, that was, that was fun for a period of time <laughs> to mm-hmm. direct that, but then to just learn how to be with it and not feel um, like I had to do something with it or shut it down depending on the circumstances it is very empowering. So I know that really.
1: Like, you can do it. Like, t- mm. you want to go for that woman or the situation, then fucking go for it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What I want for, for men is for you to have real freedom, to be a real choice. And when you don't, when you feel like you have to do something, have to go for it, or have to shut it down, that's not freedom. That's not choice. That's not power.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, I think that's a, a good place for us to pause here today. For people that are wanting to learn a little bit more about you, Dustin, and the, and the work that you do, where should they go? We'll have the links in the show notes, but where would you like them to to go check you out?
1: Well, I created a special link just for you, uh, awesome. evolvedmasculine.com slash man talks, easy enough for you all to, to remember, Evolved masculine, And I think right, right now, anyway, I have it uh, going to a uh, a free I think it's eight, nine minutes, uh, video training called understanding women. I, I understand what she really is wanting, uh, from you, even if you've uh, had little success so far, something mm. along those lines. Yeah. Um, that, but it really is kind of like the underlying core element of, of my teachings when it comes to understanding and relating to women and the feminine. So, uh, please pick that up. That's my, my free gift to you. Um, We've recently uh, launched a new online community uh, called Evolved Masculine Brotherhood. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're already part of Men Talks community. Great, everything I see in there is awesome. We just have a different focus in what we're uh, expressing. There are definitely things that you do with your community far better than I do, <laughs> and then there are things that you know are my areas of expertise. So, particularly if you're wanting um, to address these areas of uh, your sexuality. And, um, you know, I think that I also have a very particular spin around the relating to women in the feminine. Mm. That's uh, a different bit different than m- most of what I see out there. Um, yeah. then do check out our community as well. you can be part
0: of more than one. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. uh, relating, relating to women will be part two.
1: There, there you go. I love <laughs> I fucking love it. You know, there's this, this, uh, great quotes that I ended up putting in my book of, um, One measure of man's masculinity is his ability to receive the feminine. And I I think in many ways, it defines a lot of my perspective around the evolved masculine. It really is rooted in the relationship to the feminine, that being a a focal point of uh, how I express this work. So stay tuned
0: for part two whenever we get around to that. (laughs) Awesome, brother. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for jumping into this interview with me. And for everyone that's out there, thank you so much for tuning in might be a good episode to to forward on to somebody that you know is going to enjoy it or listen to with, listen to with your partner or have a conversation with with somebody uh, that you like to debrief on podcasts with so until next week this is Connor Beaton signing off